Hi, this is Scott Greenia from Fairfax, Vermont, also known as Scotty DeQ, and you're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. We'll do it live. Okay. Well, do it live! I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live! So to get that perfect barbecue, you use wood. Are you sure it's safe? Whatever. We put the lighter fluid on, strike the match, and... Oh. Should we call the fire department? That might be a good idea. Good evening and welcome to the Really Big Barbecue Central Show. This is the show that talks about all things important in the world of barbecue and grilling. And we are broadcasting live and direct from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame city of Cleveland, Ohio. It is the barbecue capital of the North Coast. I am your program host, Greg Rempe. Happy to have you aboard here on your Tuesday evening. If you have always thought that on this very day, February 26, 2018, this is going to be the day that you decide to email contribute to the show, but you don't know how to get in touch with me, let me help you out with that. You can get in touch with the show by sending an email to greg at bbqcentralshow.com or on the Twitter and Instagrams at bbqcentralshow. Everything else you want to find out about the show can be found at the main website, thebbqcentralshow.com. And here's what's happening in case you didn't get the newsletter. It is the first Tuesday of yet a brand new month. I said it before on the very first Tuesday of last month and... Of last month, and everybody laughed at me. I know you did it. I can hear you do it, even when I can't hear you laughing at me. But I said it before, and I will say it again. 2018 rapidly coming to a close, and the first Tuesday of each and every month brings a visit from the good barbecue doctor. He is a barbecue Hall of Fame inductee, multiple-time cookbook author, numerous TV show appearances and radio appearances, one radio appearance that we will actually be talking about a little bit later this evening because I had no idea until I was doing a little bit of new research with one Dr. Barbecue, Ray Lampy at 914, and then we'll move to 935. And we will be joined by the Meat Maven. If you're a fan of Snake River Farms, if you use their briskets, you're going to be very excited that Anella Kelso is stopping by, of course. And let me make sure I mute that. That's not good. There is a potential of a free brisket giveaway. I'm still working on how I actually want to structure that. But keep that in your craw. And then we will also be talking specifically about the 2018 Snake River Farms Brisket Challenge. Not only are we going to be talking about it, but we will be getting the exclusive reveal on those six contests, which were lucky enough to be granted and or given the Snake River Farms Brisket Challenge locations. So that's at 935. And then we'll move into the second hour. And 
there are times when introduction is needed. There are times when maybe I'm bringing somebody to you that from a barbecue and grilling aspect, either you're not familiar with that niche that I'm coming from or going to, or it's somebody new breaking on the scene that I've gotten the pulse of and want to bring them on to promote or just kind of get their backstory into live fire cooking. Not this guy. He made his first appearance about four years ago. Fast forward almost four years ago. It'd actually be four years, April 1st. And I'm not kidding. I think probably when it comes to barbecue at its highest level, and I mean from a macro view, not, you know, although I guess from a, from a, from a high level as well, he's probably on the top there too. But the guy that owns, runs, and or otherwise convenes on a daily basis, the Franklin Barbecue Restaurant, uh, Aaron Franklin, will be joining me at 1014 and 1035 as well. So uh, the probably, if not the, one of the biggest names currently out there in barbecue right now. Perhaps I would say, tell me somebody that is more widely recognized in the barbecue community than Aaron Franklin. When I do interviews and I say, hey, if you had anywhere to go to eat barbecue or grilled food anywhere, not only in the country, but the world, 95% of the time, the first words out of the mouth are Franklin's Barbecue or Austin, Texas, and I'm going to Franklin. So we're going to have them on. Second hour, we're going to talk about restaurant. We're going to talk about pit building. We're going to Talk about recovery from fire, all that good stuff. So there you go. Ray Lampy, Anella Kelso in the first hour, Aaron Franklin in the second hour. So tell everybody right now that the show is on. As I have been doing over the last number of weeks in a podcast form, please take just a few minutes out of your busy schedule. After you get done listening to this show, please go back and rate and review on iTunes and Google and whatever podcast catcher that you have. After you listen to the show, don't just review it before you listen to it. Take in a few, form an opinion, and then give a rate and review of this show. It helps bring a little bit more visibility on your particular platform to the show, which I certainly appreciate. Now, let me say this. Over this past weekend, we were down in Columbus, Ohio for a volleyball tournament. And as many of you know, I have started a tour of fine steak restaurants here over the last year. And we took in one impromptu on Saturday this past. Right across from the hotel was a place called Jeff Ruby's Steakhouse. I believe it is kind of a chain, high-end chain, prime steakhouse. And I have to tell you, while my expectation was, you know, a little bit, I mean, it was up there, of course. I mean, when you go look at the menu, there's $50, $60, $70 steaks, so... Expectation and quality is certainly high rising up there just because of the amount of money you're going to be dropping. But the ambiance and decor of the place was absolutely over the top in a good way. Very incredible. Kind of that 1920s gangster uh, flapper type feel. Management with the three-piece suits and the funky wingtips. Servers had the nice uh, white dress jackets, black pants. I want to mention specifically our server, John. Newest stuff, didn't say searing seals into juices, uh, used terms like a crust instead of a char on 
when describing the steak, which I appreciate, I think Char brings across a potential negative aspect, for, especially for people that don't really know a lot about live fire cooking and grilling. So John did an absolutely great description of the food that we were getting, was very attentive. Water service was great, but really when the rubber meets the road is how good is the steak. And both Bobby and I got a cowboy ribeye, 22-ounce dry age. They dry age between 22 and 40 days. They don't really specify how many days the steak is aged, but I'm guessing a minimum of 22 ounces, which is right in that wheelhouse, of course. So we were able to compare it to some of the best steaks that we've had currently over this last year, and uh, we both admit that in a final, uh, sorry, in a final analysis, the Jeff Ruby Steakhouse in Columbus top three. So currently, my top three: number one, Red Steakhouse, which just happens to be located here in Cleveland. Luckily, number two for me, Anton's Steakhouse and Butchery in Kansas City, which we had last volleyball season towards the end of the season. And now, right off the bat this year, Jeff Ruby's Steakhouse in Columbus, right across the street from the Drury Inn, in case you're going to be in Columbus for whatever reason. Ask for John. Uh, Shout out to him and the gang for uh, providing a wonderful steak, super tender, super juicy, really, I don't want to say surprisingly good, because I think that's what the expectation is there. But, you know, typically my expectations are a little bit higher and my requirements might be a little bit higher than the norm. So, cause I make a pretty good steak at home, I think. So I have to say they exceeded expectation and that 22 ounce ribeye was absolutely amazing. They did have a few other steaks that might tip the price scale a little bit more, but I don't like to fall for that. Not getting any Facebook feed. Ooh. How can that be? I'm going right to Facebook right now. Like, no questions? This is certainly unfortunate. Hold on, I'm going to head over there, try again. Well, you have to be getting it, right? Let's see if I can't fix this real quick before we get into the first break, or maybe I'll try and uh, fix it here on the first break. Anyway, uh, before we uh, before I diverge too much, again, uh, Jeff Ruby's Steakhouse in Columbus. Very good. Very good. All right, let me grab this. Hmm. All right. All right, let me talk to you quickly about Big Papa Smokers, the one-stop online shop for anyone interested in barbecue, of course. So they have it all, right? They have the great spices. They have the wonderful, if I might say, wonderful rubs and sauces. So you have to check them out. Go to BigPapaSmokers.com. That's BigPapaSmokers.com. Of course, the West Coast offense is right there. Everybody's a big fan of the West Coast offense. They also have a great sauce. It's called Granny's Barbecue Sauce. They are the owners. If you're looking for a new go-to barbecue sauce that will please everyone, Granny's traditional yet powerful flavors remind us why we fell in love with barbecue in the first place. 
Find Granny's Barbecue Sauce and other top-rated barbecue sauces at BigPapaSmokers.com. And aside from their premium selection of rubs and sauces, they also offer the very best pellet charcoal and wood cookers available on the market today. For instance, if you're looking for a versatile smoker that's easy to use, check out the Mac 2-Star General Pellet Grill. Big Papa Smokers, the exclusive Mac dealer, and even offers special packages in that regard. Not a fan of pellet smokers? No problem. The Old Hickory Ace BP is the only charcoal smoker that Big Papa trusts on his competition trailer. You can see him doing videos and uh, other social media posts. If you follow him on Instagram, really cool-looking cooker. If you're a backyard barbecue enthusiast like me looking for a durable and versatile grill that will last forever, the M Grill from Texas is just what you need. I had uh, the M Grill guys on just last week. Go back and catch that if you missed it in the podcast. Not sure what grill you need? You can't go wrong with any of them that are featured on BigPapaSmokers.com. It's clear that Big Papa Smokers is the place to go for all things barbecue. Every product featured on their website, hand-selected to help you barbecue better. Boost your barbecue skills with the help of the barbecue smokers available from Big Papa Smokers, the number one online barbecue store. You can call them toll-free at 877-828-0727. That's 877-828-0727. Or shop their website at BigPapaSmokers.com. That's BigPapaSmokers.com. Ray Lampy coming up. Stick around. I'll be right back. Live from the Barbecue Central Show Studios in Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rempe. Welcome back to this portion of the show being brought to you by Butcher's Barbecue, makers of award-winning injections, marinades, rubs, seasonings, barbecue sauce, and grilling oils. All Butcher's Barbecue products have been tested on the competition circuit as well as in backyards across the country and worldwide. Be the pitmaster of your neighborhood. Visit ButcherBBQ.com to stock up right now. Always trust your butcher. If you got questions about barbecue or grilling, maybe as a hobby or even a business, looking to get an expert's point of view, why not ask Dr. Barbecue? You can submit your questions by clicking on the Ask Dr. Barbecue tab on the website. The doctor is in. Here's Ray Lampy with his nurse, Greg Rempe. Dr. Barbecue. That's right, Ray Lampy joining me right here on the show as uh, we do it the first Tuesday of each and every month. Ray, how are you, buddy? Uh, I'm sorry. I 
had you muted. That's my bad. So I, I, I assume we're finding you well, Ray. I'm sorry. I, I am always well. I, you know, I kind of caught a little bit of a crud like everybody else, but it was 80 today and I was in the swimming pool. Life is good down here. No doubt. Uh, that seems to be going around more and more. I see, uh, especially up here in Cleveland, everybody's getting either type A flu or type B flu. And if you have type A, you probably won't get that again, but you could get type B flu and that might be even worse. And I just take B pollen pills. I haven't been sick in like three years, believe it or not. Well, I don't get sick much, but I, it got me a little bit this time. I was out in California, you know, on the airplane and Ooh. a party full of people hugging you and stuff. And it always goes bad. Uh, Ray, from a Super Bowl perspective, I know your team wasn't in it as, as my team. I think my team was even further away than your team was uh, at the end of this year. Uh, did you have any thoughts about the game? And more importantly, since I guess it is this new kind of eating holiday, what was on the Super Bowl menu for you? Uh, yeah, I actually went over to a chef friend's house, and he had a cooler full of champagne uh, left over from the party the night before. So we drank all that, and I came home, and I and I just cooked some Italian sausage. I didn't do anything too special because I had to go do that. But, uh, you know, I, I don't – I didn't really care much about each team. I like – the Eagles, I'm the green, I'm the big green egg guy, so I like their uniforms. I didn't care much, but man, it was a kick ass game. Um, I was talking to somebody today and I was saying, you know, you watch that game and, and then you watch your team all year and you think, my team sucks compared to those guys, man. Nobody's jumping off sides, nobody's holding, nobody's doing stupid pass interference. I mean, uh, it, those guys, you know, it was a hell of a game, man. I was happy to see the Eagles win, but I guess I'm struck, maybe not so surprised, but I'm struck by the animus that most people have against the Patriots, and I can't tell whether it's because they have been caught cheating a number of times or if they just dislike the fact that they always seem to get to the end. Yeah, well, it's it's, it's easy to hate the team that's that good, you know. I, I don't necessarily care that much about them one way or the other. And the cheating stuff, well, yeah. I don't like that stuff, but whatever. You know, they're still damn good, man. Even Brady, although he didn't have a, didn't look all that good, but that dude's forty years old. You know, I mean, he may be an asshole, but man, he could play. Yeah, uh, and I, last time I checked, throwing over five hundred yards in a Super Bowl is pretty friggin' awesome. Accounting for, for a like forty-year-old dude. Yeah, yeah, like so half the yards of offense were all on his arm. So, all right, Ray. Yeah. Maybe we have a revelation that we've never talked about here. I was doing a little research and got on your website Uh and blah, blah, blah. Well, here's the revelation potential because he's my favorite talk show host. Were you on the Howard Stern show at some point? I was, but it was it was taped. Uh, I was I forget who it was. It was a barbecue guy up in the northeast and he somehow set this up for me. And I did an interview. It was in advance, like of one of the holidays, one of the grilling holidays. And uh, I, I don't even remember the details of it. It definitely was played during the news with Robin, though. And they commented on my name or something or other. Uh, but so yes, they, I have been, but by tape. I'll take it. I've been on not Howard Stern zero times, tape or live. So uh, that's he's my favorite talk show host. I listen to him every day. So. Uh, I saw that and I was like, "How did we? How have we never even broached that subject?" I mean, I yeah, can't it's a cool one. I mean, I, I remember I, I got to listen to it. I was—I've always been a fan, uh, and there I was on the Howard Stern show. But like I said, there was no interaction. We talked about it last year, Ray, with the 2017 National Barbecue and Grilling Association conference. This year, will you be there? 
I don't think I'm going to be there. No, um, I, I I just don't have a reason to be there. They they've done away with the big public event, you know, the Dream Team thing, and it was a big public event. Now they they they're trying to replace it. They say they're replacing it with an event at that. Uh, facility but uh big green egg decided not to come on board as a sponsor hmm. and so i don't have any reason to go other than to go hang around and they didn't really uh, you know there was no nothing very interesting that they asked me to do so i, I honestly kind of got no reason to go so i'm not gonna well that's you uh kind of got a similar uh take from uh, one of our other mutual friends remember on this show no names please but uh, his name might rhyme with Miss Millie, and uh, similar similar thing. Like not really invited, and didn't really see a reason. So I I'm gonna go. By the way, I don't know if you knew. I'm gonna be broadcasting live. Oh, hey, I know that. Yeah. I might have changed my you know, plan. Three days: uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. I'll be doing at least two hours live each day, uh, kind of pulling all the who's who of uh, barbecue at the MBBQA at the uh, at the venue there. But I'm worried that. Maybe some of the really big names aren't going to be there. I, I don't want to speak for anybody else, and it, it, you know, I would love to go. Those are all my friends. I've just been so many times. I just, it's hard to reach in my pocket to go there just to hang around. I mean, it, you know, I'd rather go with something to do and some purpose. Now, they offered they offered myself a comp uh, a comp uh, uh, pass to the conference. And they, and they had some things they they wanted us to do. You know, I'm not going to say they didn't they didn't want me to do anything. They did. Um, it just was again with Big Green Egg not coming on board as a sponsor. It kind of takes a lot That's of tough. the the interest out of it for me. And there was just you know, and again, I've done it so many times. I just don't. It's it doesn't sound that good to me to go hang out with them guys. I'm happy to go do it if there's a purpose. But there just was nothing that came to the, you know struck me enough to want me to get my credit card out and go. All right. Uh, no Ray Lampy at NBBQA. However, me at NBBQA. So, I mean, <laughs> you know. That's a serious That's a, upgrade, yeah. Okay. Well, I don't think so. But uh, let me ask well, you this. you'll have a good time. I mean, it's, oh, it's I'm a sure. lot of fun. Don't, I'm, I'm not against it at all. I'm not mad at anybody. Um, I just got to pick the places I go, and that one just didn't make the cut this year. I think there's going to be a lot more, uh, let's call it barbecue media. I'm going to be doing live shows. I'm also bringing my field recorder for at-the-bar interviews, you know, just to kind of take people and get them to say a bunch of stuff when they're a little bit more loose and uh, not as uh, stuffy as they probably get during the afternoon uh, and off-scene. But there's going to be, uh, like, uh, the, the best barbecue show is going to be there and the uh, um, uh, behind the smoke barbecue war stories is going to be. There's going to be like a whole, uh, you know, Super Bowl has a media row or whatever they call it over there. And there's going to probably be like three or four barbecue podcasts that are all going to be at this thing for uh, maybe the week or at least a few days. So from a coverage standpoint, I think they've probably they'll get the most coverage from a, a media standpoint than they probably had in a good long time. Good, glad to hear it. All right, let me ask you this, Ray. By the way, we're talking with Ray Lampy, Dr. Barbecue. You can visit his website, drbbq.com, or ask drbbq.com if you want to ask a question for us to talk about in a future show. I'm going to have Aaron Franklin on next hour, and I wanted your take on it too, so I'll ask you. I used to ask guests when they would come on the show to define barbecue and grilling, or do they see a difference between barbecue and grilling? But the new clarification that I'm looking for these days is this term pit master. So 
So what does the term pitmaster mean to you? Do you have a definition? Do you not care for it? Talk to me about that word pitmaster. Well, I, I, it wasn't. It used to just kind of be one of those words that you call the guy that cooked the barbecue, and then it's sort of. I mean, John Marcus with the TV show, it really took on a life. Uh, you know, that became the term for the real barbecue expert cooks. Uh, but honestly, now everybody's a pit master. You know, <laughs> I, everybody has a pit. Seem is the master of their pit. So apparently, that's all you need to do. I don't think much of it anymore. The term, um, I, I, I haven't been known to say that I was a pitmaster before it was trendy, but, um, I, you know, who, do you know anybody that isn't a pitmaster? Well, that's, <laughs> I guess that's the question is, do we need to associate or is the last part of that term master just kind of a generic term? And as you said, it's the guy that's cooking. He's the one that preps. He seasons, he puts it on, he cooks it to completion and then serves it to everybody. So he's the pit master and master yeah, isn't necessarily. It is now. It's, it's certainly the way it's used. Um, I mean, you know, you, all you got to do is hang around on social media a little bit and you'll see a whole lot of people bringing that to the forefront of their name that they use so that people will not misunderstand that they are a pit master. And, and then everybody that was ever on that show you know, it, it's kind of like American Idol. I was on season three or stuff. And so, you know, it's okay. I, it, but it seems to, if everybody is one, it, it seems to lose the, the luster. All right, Ray, let's uh, grab some Facebook questions. Are you ready for these? <laughs> I guess. All right. Uh, first one is coming from Brent McKellar. And this is a pretty good question. I think you can talk to this a little bit. Why does sweet, complicated flavors dominate tournament barbecue and basic flavors like Texas style barbecue lead in progressive cities like Los Angeles and New York. I mean, obviously we're talking about two different things, but I think if you're looking at it from a high level, how is, how can one be so divergent from the other and both be good in their own right at the same time? Yeah. I mean, it didn't used to be that way. That's for sure. Uh, the, you know, it's the evolution of any competition. I think I've said this on here before. I, I was watching a guy in his Jeep one day in the rocks on ESPN, and a, a guy that was riding shotgun got out and started yanking on the bumper so the Jeep wouldn't fall over. And then he got a rope out and put it on the bumper and was pulling on it. And I thought, well, that's kind of ridiculous. But I think like every hobby, little by little things become acceptable, and it becomes the norm then. And that's what happened with barbecue. Um, you know, go way back to the day, uh, we would serve our sauce, you could put it in a little cup in the in the box. Uh, and, but then that they got worried because people were using this sauce with that rib just to test it out. So they didn't want to do that. So they made the rule you have to put the sauce on or off. Well, it's pretty hard, you know, from day one then to not put sauce on the barbecue if you're in competition because you couldn't have an option of serving it on the side. Uh, so it starts there. And then, you know, just guys doing it 20, 30, 40 times a year and people judging it 20 times a year, little by little, these things became the norm. You know, I, it's just how it is. It's nothing terrible, but little by little, like chicken thighs, is a perfect example. I, I know guys are, turning in legs a lot now. I saw that at the Jack judging. But mm -hmm. but it became this thing where thighs, now 
I understand the reason. I was certainly part of doing it back then, you know. I was uh, fussing one day about the money muscle, and Darren Worth reminded me that I taught him how to do it. So I can't, <laughs> I can't really blame people for it. I have to take part of the blame, I guess. But, you know, it became this, this thing with the judges where the bite through skin. Uh, you know, real barbecue doesn't have bite through skin. Chicken skin gets pretty leathery, really. Um, it's just how it is. Uh, so that mush, and maybe you could grill it and make it a little, cook it a little hotter and get the skin to be bite through. But that mushy skin that somehow became competition barbecue, that has nothing to do with any barbecue, but it became that thing because the judges started rewarding it. So if you're a cook, what are you going to do? You got to do what they're rewarding. Um, and so many of those things, you know, the, the, I was explaining to some chef friends the other day about the, uh, fab B type products mm -hmm. and I was, and they were like, well, the one guy said, well, that's cheating. And I said, well, you might think that, but it's not, it's, it's, you know, it became part of the, the culture and the normal thing to do. And I certainly do it too. And I taught a lot of guys how to use that. So I, I can't. I can't, you know, get on a high horse about this stuff, but you can see where the evolution of it happened. And, I, you know, did it go too far? Yeah, maybe it did, but I don't know how you stop it. Guys want to cook stuff that the judges are going to give high scores to, so what the heck, you know? Um, now, the other side of it, it's funny, I was in Austin a month or two ago and ate in a handful of places, and one of the things that struck me, I ate at Franklin's and uh, waited in line. Um, one of the things that struck me was the barbecue there is all really very similar as well. Mm -hmm. I ate at uh, uh, Franklin's, I ate at Valentina's, I ate at Friedman's Bar, and the barbecue is all just salt and pepper. It's all very good. It's all cooked in an offset pit. Um, it's very similar. You know, there's nothing very interesting going on there. The quality is good, but I don't know that that's any, you know, that I would say that is so interesting. Uh, Valentina's was cool because they did, I went for breakfast tacos, which everyone talked about, and it was well worth the trip. So you took this really good salt and pepper smoky brisket, and you put it on a taco with some hot sauce and cheese, and, you know, it was just really good. So I, I, I don't know. I think they've both taken their own paths. It, obviously, you can see where one doesn't fill in the other one. You know, as a diner, I want to see this um, – artisan not the right word but like what aaron's doing you know aaron aaron just said hey i'm not gonna buy an old hickory and cook barbecue like everybody else i'm gonna try to get really serious about making great barbecue the traditional way and he certainly accomplished that and, and a lot of people fell in line behind it um but would that work in competition i don't know i don't think so i think the competition judges you know let's not Let's you know, and I, a lot of people don't want to hear it, but competition barbecue judges are senior citizens in general, uh, <laughs> so they they like things a little differently. Let's be honest, you know. Try turning in some spicy barbecue and see how that goes. Yeah, they want to. Um, so they want to judge know, it for. And... They've taken. It disappoints me that they're so far apart, uh, but it is what it is. Uh, all right. Uh, so next question is coming from Gary Jedlovic. And it says, what's your favorite dry rub for chicken? I went to high school with, Jer with Gary. Oh, okay. Actually, cool. Uh, an old friend of mine from way back when. My favorite rub for chicken, you know, it's funny. I was thinking about that one. And if I make chicken at home, I will usually buy, I will usually grab like the Tony Tachery's, mm -hmm. uh, Tony or Satchery's. Tony, I will buy that. Or there's one called, I think, Jim Miller or something. Them, them cardboard can Creole rubs. I like that stuff. Uh, 
I'll usually use that or just some Lowry season salt. I, I don't, I really have got, I really tired a, a long time ago of these complex barbecue rubs for eating at home. I, I really just am not that interested in them. And I, 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 I wish people would start making their own rubs more often. Uh, they all just, their whole, their whole repertoire is 20 bottles of rub that they bought. And it's just not that hard to make rub and make it how you want. I wish people would do that more. Next question coming from fellow Chicago, is it Chicagoan? Chicagoan? Chicagoan. Chicagoan. Yeah, let's call him uh, Scotty Johnson. You know, Scott. And this is an interesting question. You always hesitate to ask anything that Scotty asks because it might be a loaded question or there's some inside joke that only the Chicago people know about. It says, have you ever tried to make Italian beef on the smoker? And the second question is, do you have a favorite beef place after Boston's close? So first questions first. Is that and that is a very traditional, well-known Chicago dish. Is the Italian beef? Is that something that you make at home? Uh, yeah, I do make it at home, and uh, and I've made it on the on the smoker. Uh, I don't, I don't, I don't put a lot of smoke on anything. So to me, I've cooked it charcoal beef is more what I would call it. But I've cooked it on the egg just like I would in the oven, and uh, and it's fine. It gets a little bit of charcoal flavor. It's good. It's not as traditional anymore, but makes a pretty good dish. Uh, yeah, I, I share. I've got a really good recipe that I share all the time. That I bought a slicer though, because it's hard to make it without a good slicer to make it the traditional way. Uh, I've made it at, at trade shows. I used to make it when I for Big Green Egg, and I would I would slice it with a knife as thin as I could, but it was never thin enough. But then I would just cook it till it simmered out and got a little more tender. But then it becomes pot roasty. You know, mm-hmm. it's still good, but it's not the same. You really need a good slicer to slice it thin. What about um, as far as my new favorite place? Yeah. Oh man, I don't know. Probably Portillo's is pretty good. It's the big chain. Yep. But it's pretty good. Um, I certainly miss Joe Boston's. What cut of beef is Italian beef? Uh, top round traditionally. Okay. Got it. Uh, or bo- no bottom round. Uh, but top round or bottom round, either one works. I use sirloin tip usually at home. Um, either one works, though. Ray, 40 seconds left. Uh, any update on the restaurant worthwhile? Yes, construction is rolling along. We are rocking. Here we go. Yes, we are in. We are throwing J- June 1st out as the potential oh. date for opening. It's 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 realistic. So, yeah, we're we're. I drove by there today. There's a whole bunch of work going on. It's happening. Finally, All right. finally, well, finally. We are planning the flag with June 1st as an open date, and we'll see how that goes. It is yep. the first Tuesday of the month. Regular guest, Ray Lampy, Barbecue Hall of Famer, multiple-time author. Ray, always appreciate the time. Thanks so much. My pleasure, Greg. I don't, you forgot to tell everybody, I am on my way to Nashville to be on with Pickler and Ben. That's right, week. Pickler and Ben. Big deal. Make sure you tell top men I give them my regards. All right, see you, man. All right, there he is, Ray Lampy, everybody, from drbbq.com and the monthly guest right here on this show. All right, let me talk to you quickly about the Barbecue Guru. By the way, uh, let me break away from that just for one second. If you're looking to get on through uh, Facebook chat, whatever program I'm using has uh, uh, S'd the bed, as they say, so... I'm not going to be able to pull you up this evening. That's all right. Don't worry about it. All right. Are you looking to turn the heat up on your barbecue skills this summer? Yeah. Well, who is it? Let me talk to you quickly about the barbecue guru. 
Makers of the most advanced ceramic cooker and high-tech barbecue accessory to hit the market in recent memory. That's the Monolith Barbecue Guru Edition and the CyberQ Cloud. Launched last year, simply put, this is the world's first temperature-controlled ceramic smoker and grill with a built-in power draft fan. It's going to give you the easiest and most successful barbecue experience. These must-have new products will make barbecuing easier than ever before and will be your new secret weapon for cooking delicious food each and every time. Ready to buy? Of course, head on over to bbqguru.com and grab them up while they last. If you have any questions about what to order, please... Please, oh please, make sure that you give them a call, 800-288-GURU. That's 800-288-GURU. Or visit the website, bbqguru.com. And remember, as I say each and every week, if you have a current barbecue guru, pit temperature controller, you don't, that's all you need. You can hook the one you have to the fan on the monolith grill and you're off and running. Or upgrade to CyberQ Cloud if you want, no problem. The Barbecue Guru continues to be a breakthrough in barbecue technology. Anella Kelso from Snake River Farms coming up out of the break. Stick around. Be right back. Now, let's get back to the LeBron James and Barbecue Talk. Craig Rampey. All right, this portion of the show being brought to you by CookinPellets.com, your number one source for quality wood pellets to fire all of your pellet-driven cookers like this one, Green Mountain Grill. Or your Fast Eddies or your Traegers or whatever, doesn't matter. It's not going to avoid any warranties. Will anybody tell you that? Visit cookingpellets.com for more information or purchase. You can also buy from amazon.com. Here's what I suggest. Download their free app and be alerted when great shipping deals are happening regardless of area. Okay? Easy to do. All right, my next guest, the face of Snake River Farms. In 2018, they will continue. Whoa highly unprofessional. They will continue to run the Snake River Farms Brisket Challenge locations to be announced right here during this segment. So hold on to your hat. Let's go ahead and race to the hotline and welcome back Anella Kelso to the show. Hi, Anella. Well, hello there. How are you? Doing awesome. Great. So we're very excited to have you back on the show for any number of reasons. But first, if it's okay with you, before we get to the big reveal, this is what we call teasing in the industry. I don't know what industry that is, but that's what I hear. All right, we'll tease the Perfect. fact that we're going to be announcing the 2018 Snake River Farms Brisket Challenge locations here in a few minutes. But before we get into that, let's take a quick back, or let's take a quick step back and look at 2017. Let's talk about the 180 yeah. Club and all the success that Snake River Farms has seen here over the past uh, 12, 13 months. Well, we love to do it. Um, we we spent a lot of time. Um, I spent a lot of time on the road, out and about, meeting with teams and seeing everybody. And this last year was the second year that we did the 180 Club, and 
Um, obviously 180 being a perfect brisket in um, KCBS. And so we kind of decided that it was, you know, it's not every day that you get a perfect brisket and we wanted to reward the folks that were cooking our briskets perfectly. And so we kind of started this club and, you know, you, you, you register your brisket if you get one um, perfect and you get a t-shirt and you get a hundred dollar gift certificate to the website. And, you know, I mean, obviously bragging rights. And then at the end of the year, we put everybody's name in, in, um, a drum and we draw and give away one um, gateway drum smoker, an SRF drum smoker. So the only way you can get SRF drum smokers is to win them. The only way you can get the shirts for the 180 Club is to win them. And so it's kind of, you know, it's the bragging rights and it's, it's the cool part. And um, last year, KCBS had 100 um, perfect briskets, wow. and of the 100 perfect briskets, 75 of those were Snake River Farms briskets. Uh, wow. So I'm no mathematician, but let me go ahead and uh, get out my calendar. 100, kind of 75, carry the one. Okay, if I'm right, that's 75% of the perfect briskets were Snake River Farms. Wow, that's incredible! Uh, an incredible number. Yeah, and like I said, you know, and so we, you know, we post that out there, and I mean, you're showing it on your screen now, and we keep it on our website all year. Um, to you know, those teams that those teams work their butts off. Everybody works their butts off, but it's it's always cool when you're able to get a perfect brisket. And so you look at those. So it's 54 teams for 75 perfect briskets. Um, every one of those little stars that you see on. Um, Next to the team's name means that they got multiple. Wow. So, you know, I mean, you're looking at Tim's Full Deli Deli got two. Uh, Clark Crew had three. Uh, Smoke Me Silly had four. Shake Shake kind of ruled the roost last year on the 180s, and they walked away with six. Wow. So it's, yeah, so it was it was a really good year um, for Snake River Farms in KCBS. You know, we, we were out at the banquet and super excited to, to support all the teams who support us. Um, obviously, Travis um, and Clark Crew were the brisket team of the year, so we're, we're super happy that, you know, they choose us week in, week out, everybody. I mean, I mean we, we have the opportunity to go out and, and go to these contests and meet with the teams and walk around and see everybody. And, you know, and there's, there's days where I get pulled into trailers and told, oh, my God, look at this brisket. What were you thinking when you sent it to me? And I'm like, once again, I, will, I would like to end all rumors right here now on Barbecue Central Show. Okay, hold on there a second. There is no hand... Hold on. <laughs> Barbecue Central Show exclusive news update. All right, this is Greg Raffi reporting live from the breaking news desk, and we're going to throw it to Anella Kelso with a breaking news update. There is no hand-picking of the brisket. That's right. I mean, nobody really believe. Does anybody really believe that? There's no way. Oh, I think people actually believe it. Oh, dear. but I mean, I think there are people. Well, I mean, Darren broke the internet last oh, year. Oh, I know. I saw all with, with about the picture, and 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 so and and a lot of people. I mean, like we he posted the picture, thinking it would you know it was kind of we were fun and we were joking. And yes, we were up at the, you know, we were up at the plant. The picture wasn't even SRF briskets. It was you know double R briskets, but. Um, you know, we were, we thought, oh, this would be fun and good Lord. Yeah. We broke the internet and ha- and I mean, and he pulled it down because people were, you know, getting a little crazy, but yeah, just, I'll put it out there on the record. There's no handpicking of the briskets. So, all right. So before so the perfect we, ones were just picked by anybody in our warehouse. So, well, so I mean, is that, is that what happens? Like there's, there's, there's people on the payroll and they just go and pull orders, right? 
Yeah, we have a warehouse in Kansas City, and so, you know, we put in the orders, and each day they get their big list, and, I mean, it's just like ordering anything off of any website. They go out, and they pull them, and so when people call and say, you know, I need the same briskets that Trav cooks or Darren cooks or Tuffy cooks or Myron cooks, all you got to do is order them. They're the exact same ones. Those aren't held off in a secret room somewhere waiting for their orders. (laughs) Nope, there's no secrets. Weird. Weird I mean, you can go to one of their classes. Sure. They'll, they'll tell you their secrets, but, <laughs> but that's up to them, not up to me. Anella Kelso joining me here from Snake River Farms. The website, by the way, snakeriverfarms.com if you want to check it out. Uh, so before we get into the big reveal here this evening, let's talk a little bit. And I, I ask uh, the ladies over at Smithfield kind of a similar question when we talk about their grant program. So yeah. what does it take for an event to be when you have – you know, a hundred or so events send you application or say, hey, can we be considered for an SRF brisket challenge? What are some of the things that you and, and some of the other staff over Snake River Farms and Agri-Beef are looking at in order to make those determinations on who was going to get picked? So we actually started the challenge about four years ago. Um, and it all kind of started with one team out in California saying, you know, you should really come out here and you should really come out here and, you know, throw down some extra prizes for teams cooking your product. And it would get more teams cooking your product. And, you know, you guys could, you know, you guys could come out and, you know, meet the teams and all that kind of stuff. And so it really started, like I said, four years ago in at one contest in California. And it went over really well. And it really wasn't an application process at that point. I mean, it has definitely grown and evolved in the last four years. And so we started with one. And then, you know, the next year we did a couple. And then the next year we did a few more than that. And then, and so now um, we, we've gotten, like, I would love to do one in every state and, you know, pick a spot every state. Obviously, we're we're, we're still pretty small time, um, but but we look for events that um, that teams really love, and you know you know we have a we have a group of folks that that help us, and you know we we look at those events that the promoters are great that everybody loves those events, and and so because we want to be able to go in, um, we do look we do kind of look sometimes at size, you know how many teams you're expecting to get in, um, is it just a backyard contest versus a full blown contest. Um, we want to make sure that our brand is being represented, you know, appropriately as well. But really what we want to do is we want to be able to, you know, there's a lot of times where teams may not be looking to cook Wagyu or they never have before or they're scared to do it. Um, you know, they're scared to kind of jump on that to that to that next level. Mm-hmm. These events give us that opportunity to really say, you know, we've got a lot of teams out there that are cooking it. Everyone, you know, everyone is really uh, you know, if you've never been out and actually been out to the contest and talked to these teams, there are teams, I see it every single contest I go to, that if you have a problem or you have a question or you have anything, people are so willing to say, come and look at how I do it. Let me help you with this. Let me show you this. And so, really, we look for those contests where those teams that are already cooking our stuff are going to be there and be able to help people if they need it. But really, just cool, fun contests that represent our brand, represent our demographic. We really try to get all over the country. Um, we usually, I mean, we try to go from, from east to west, west to east, and in the middle. And, you know, we, we go up north and try to get down south. The Texas boys will probably, you know, yell at me and say <laughs> I never come to Texas, but we're getting there. Um, you know, uh, right now we only do KCBS contests and, you know, that, that can, that can change as well. 
So we do, um, so like I said, you know, we started with one. We're at six now. I would love to get to the point where, you know, we could do, we could do 50 of them. But right now, this is, this is where we're at. And, um, you know, we come out, we bring, we meet every single one of the teams. We, you know, we support kids' cues. We support the state cook-offs. We support any kind of, um, we look for a philanthropic side as well. Uh, we, we love to come out to events that are doing good in the community, you know, comes to mind. Like we, we've been to, um, the gold ribbon mm-hmm. in green Bay, in green Bay, um, last year and the year before. And it was, you know, it's, you know, they work for gold. They raise money for golden house and it's, you know, women and children in domestic abuse situations. And, you know, they've got the green Bay Packers backing them, but this is still the golden house's largest fundraiser every year. We love to be a part of that. Wow. And if we can come out and be a part of your silent auction and start part of your kids' queue and a part of your event, and like that's what we're looking for. All right, uh, Nella Kelso joining me here on the show from Snake River Farms. So let's go ahead without any further adieu and uh, announce the 2018 Snake River Farms Brisket Challenge. So I will turn it over to you while I pull up the website, and you go ahead. So we're really excited. Uh, the the contests that we chose this year i don't know how three of them ended up in may but they did <laughs> but march 3rd and 4th um we're going to be at the fire on ice barbecue championship um, nice. out in minnesota um we are going to travel to the masters and Maine classic in may may 4th through 6th out in appleton wisconsin that's the first part of the triple crown out there in um Wisconsin, yep. so we're excited, and that's the only one that we've never actually attended. Um, we we've been out to Lambeau and we've been to Death Store, so we're gonna head out to Masters in May this year. Um, May 11th and 12th, we are going back to DeSoto, Kansas, um, for a different contest this time. Uh, this is the Grasshopper 18. Uh, it's a new contest that um, is gonna be a really cool event um it's a it's a friday night saturday thing and they're going to involve the the community and do some really cool things out there so we're really excited to be a part of that one and then i'm going to hop a plane from kansas and cruise over to georgia where we'll be at the papa joe's banjo bq may 25th and 26th if you guys have never been to teams who've never been to this event sign up for this event Real. to people who are looking for an event to go to out in the country. Like I just want to attend a really awesome event. These guys do Doug and his entire crew do such a good job. And there's a big concert and festival. And I don't think anyone who's ever gone to it would complain about it because it is just a really awesome event. And we're excited to be back there um, in July this is the first event for Snake River Farms. Um, we are going to Mason City, Iowa, and the Up in Smoke Bash out in Mason City. I've never, believe this or not, in the whole world of barbecue, I've never done an event in Iowa. We've never been out to Iowa. Really? So I'm excited to, yep, excited to head out that direction. And then um, we're going to finish up the year in October out in Costa Mesa, California, kind of where the whole SRF Challenge started. Um, we're going to finish up out at the OC Barbecue Championship in Costa Mesa. Wow. So we got Fire on Ice Barbecue Championship, Masters in May, the Grasshopper, Papa Joe's Banjo BQ. That's fun to say. Up in Smoke Barbecue Bash and the OC Barbecue Championship. Those are your six Snake River Farms Brisket Challenge locations revealed right here on the Barbecue Central Show. Now, uh, so. 
Is there and we'll any- be out at some other events, too. Yeah. I mean, we'll yeah, be yeah. out and about. Like, obviously, we're going to be at the Royal. We're going to be at the Jack. Uh, we'll be in Memphis in May. So, I mean, we'll be out. We're going to Houston in two weeks, which is, like, huge and is going to be the biggest party of the year, likely. Yeah, <laughs> no so, doubt. So we'll be out and about. But these are the ones where if you're, if you're going to cook these contests, it's free to register. Um, all you got to do is cook an SRF brisket. And we roll through and we bring cool swag and we come meet the teams and we give away, like I said, the, those, those drum smokers, the only way you can get them is to win them. And you can call Tim Sheer and ask him because he wants one too and he has to win it. That's how it works. And wow. He could make himself one. I was going to say, he could make yeah. himself one, right? That's the guy that makes it. But he was. A, we, yeah, wow. we got a deal. And I mean, some people use them. It's crazy, the ones that we've given away. Um, some people cook in them and use them. Some people keep them as trophies and... I think Travis has two of them, and they've never been used. So wow. they're his trophies. Yeah. Uh, so we're like one week away almost from Valentine's Day. And for those of yeah. us looking for ideas, do you have any, like, lovely or sexy, meaty, or pork recommendations that would really complement this holiday at Snake River Farms? You know, here's the thing. You can, um, you can take your special person um out to a meal and you're going to go out and you're going to spend a ton of money mm-hmm. and which is great and you're going to fight the crowds and um or if you know you're single like me and it's just depressing <laughs> you can stay home and have really great steaks <laughs> for like half the cost can we, so and from a so shipping perspective can we get them before uh can we get them before valentine's day still yeah, so right now we actually have a deal on some really great steaks, and um, they're buy one, get one half off. And I think that when, I mean, when I think, everybody always kind of leans toward, oh, you know, get a filet for the ladies or get a, I mean, we've got some really pretty tomahawks that are on the website right now, and so that's a great meal for two mm-hmm. um, if you like a ribeye. Um, probably my favorite cut of meat is the cap of ribeye. And um, we have those on special right now. Um, that's and that's something like again, like you know, you could share. Like so, we have a lot of really, a really great stuff. Our shipping is always um, nine ninety nine flat rate, and it'll get it, get it anywhere in the country within three days. Wow! It's a three day ground ship, and it gets anywhere for ten bucks. All right, so those are just some lover options for you from the Meat Maven herself, Anella Kelso. SnakeRiverFarms.com is the website, and uh, don't forget to hit up the podcast if you want to review all those Snake River Farm Brisket Challenge locations. Anella, really appreciate the exclusive, and uh, certainly enjoy catching up with you. Thanks so much for doing it. We love it. Thanks so much. Anytime. You got it. There she is. Hi. Nella Kelso, yes, talking about the Snake River Farms Brisket Challenge 2018 version. Lots of, um, hold on a second. Let me see here. Whiff? I'm, I'm totally missing it. Anyway, head on over to uh, snakeriverfarms.com. And check out all their offerings. I've had the sirloins. I've had the uh, the tomahawk, the uh, ribeye cap that she talked about. All wonderful things. And I agree. If you're going to be braving the crowds out there on Valentine's Day and all that other stuff, do yourself a favor. 
maybe even save a couple bucks, depending on where you're going to go, grab some steaks, and then cook them up yourself. They are absolutely amazing. I'm telling you right now, snakeriverfarms.com. That's snakeriverfarms.com. And, might I add, we'll be giving away a free brisket in this very show, or at least I will have the directions on how to win a free brisket right here on this very show. So uh, stay tuned for that. Forget uh, T-shirts as giveaways. I'm giving away $180 briskets. That's how we do it. That's how we do it. Uh, Stover Harger the third is listening live for the first time. Shout out to Stover. My fiance is listening. We just got engaged. She agreed to marry me. So she has to listen to your show with me. Oh, well, Stover, that I can tell you right now that engagement is on the rocks, buddy, if you're making her listen. Don't make her listen. She has to want to listen. Right? I think that's how it works. All right, folks, I'll be talking to you quickly about the pit barrel cooker. Gang, pulling the trigger on a new cooker can be nerve-wracking sometimes. Temperature control, fire management, what woods to buy. Who needs the hassle, might I strongly suggest, a pit barrel cooker. The pit barrel makes cooking simple and fun, and it just might be the most unique, versatile, and easy-to-use cooker available on the market today. Imagine a single cooker that will turn out great traditional barbecue meats like brisket, pork shoulders, and ribs while also being able to ramp up in temperature to do those burgers, chicken wings, and hot dogs. Versatility, all thanks to that hook-and-hang method that places the food right in the center of the heat, so it's acting like a stationary rotisserie. The result, great tasting, perfectly cooked meat each and every time. Not only is the pit barrel a fabulous cooking vessel, it's aesthetically sexy as well. Built to withstand heat, thanks to its porcelain enamel finish, the pit barrel able to withstand any type of weather condition. Extremely portable, both the flagship pit barrel and the pit barrel junior that was just recently announced. It fits in the back of most trucks, vans, and SUVs. It's ready to go wherever you are. And don't forget, the pit barrel doesn't disappoint when it comes to accessories. You have coffee mugs, you have beer koozies, you have removable ash pans, cut to size charcoal chimneys, turkey hangers, hinged grill grates, skewers, all that stuff. Come on. Bet part for $299 for the flagship, just a little bit less than the junior. Comes fully assembled, ready to cook on, delivered right to your door. It's ready to use. Not only does the cooker ship free, everything else that they sell ships for free to lower 48. Don't take my word for it. The people at Amazing Ribs continue to blow it up, giving it their highest rating level, by the way. That's their gold division. Head on over to pitbarrelcooker.com, see what everybody's talking about. Be sure to check out their full selection of short how-to videos shot in high definition. Pick up one or two for yourself or pick up a flagship and a junior. You'll thank me later. If you have any questions, contact them at 502-228-1222. And yes, they will actually talk to you. Find out what great customer service is all about by visiting pitbarrelcooker.com. All right, we're back to wrap the first hour right after this. Big name interviews, advice on cooking brisket and ribs, and the only host willing to share his honest opinion on all things important in the world of barbecue. It's the Barbecue Central Show. All right, thanks again to Anella Kelso for joining me this past segment. And revealing the 2018 Snake River Farm brisket locations. Very exciting. By the way, if you were wondering, 
They are Fire on Ice Barbecue Championship in March 3rd and 4th, Masters in May, May 4th, uh, 4th through the 6th, the Grasshopper, May 11th through 12th, Papa Joe's Banjobi Q, May 25th through the 26th, July 27th, 28th at the Up and Smoke Barbecue Bash, and October 12th through the 13th at the OC Barbecue Championship in Costa Mesa, California. All right, uh, we're getting ready to head to the second hour. If you would like to weigh in, please say and do. You can call in 216-220-0966. Or you can shoot me an email, greg at thebbqcentralshow.com. Stick around. Be right back. This is Chad Hayden with Miss Miner's Barbecue, the 19th annual Jack Daniels World Barbecue Champion, and this is Barbecue Central. Happy to have you aboard here for the really big barbecue show. Boing. We cook because we have to, and we grill because we want to. Hit me. Fine. How you doing? We have a great show. I'm a big fan. Boing. So what? What? What seems to be the problem here? This man looks like he's dead, and he's in the in the crackle. Charbono. It's all about the Charbono, dude. Succulent fish. What? We ate 50 for wiener. So listen, Lavernius, shut your face. I'm shaking like a dog shit peach seed. <laughs> we have top men working on it right now. Top men. All right, just like that, we are into the second hour. Here we go. Folks, you've somehow found the Barbecue Central show. It's a show that talks about all things important in the world of barbecue. And we do it right here in Cleveland, Ohio. It's the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame city, in case you didn't know it. Still to come on this show, Aaron Franklin from Franklin's Barbecue. And we got a phone call. Always trepid when it comes to answering phone calls, but... Luckily, it's the top of the hour, so we have a few minutes. Uh, go ahead. You're on the air. Succulent fish. Who's this? Hey, Baba Booey. Stover. Hey. From the Best Barbecue Stover Show. Stover from the Best Barbecue Show. Impromptu conversation right here. That's right. I'm watching you live right now. Enjoying the show. Uh, well, I guess uh, congratulations are in order for Stover. Recently Thank engaged. You. Like hours engaged or like a couple weeks or what? Well, listen, time moves fast these days. It was January 9th, but uh, it's still new to me. <laughs> yeah, it'll be new for quite a while, I would imagine. So is there a date set, Stover? We're going to do next January, I think, but we might just yeah. sort of like impromptu get married and not tell the family secretly and then do the ceremony later. Is that like a Las Vegas thing or Justice of the Peace thing? Yeah, but always the courthouse, Greg, of yeah. course. Yeah, I mean, I did a whole, because I'm rich, I did like a whole gala event. And that's my deal, of course, because we roll fat. Her, her grandma suggested a barbecue joint for our uh, wedding, and Cassidy shook her head no very fast. Hmm. Not Snow's Barbecue or La Barbecue or anything? You, you don't see uh, Brendan Lamb laying down the vows for you guys? You know, I call him the barbecue hunk. He is very hunky, and I think he might steal her if we do that. I'm trying to figure out if Brandon or you have more hair. I mean, you might have more thicket, but he's definitely got more length. 
That's by the yeah, way, I that's got more really, He's got more legs. Really weird to say out loud. Not that I'm saying. Wow. Okay, well, another. you know, you know that I measure uh, hot dogs. Uh, it, my my enjoyment of how many inches I eat. That's right. Is it uh, like, three I inches per minute? Right. Of a corn dog. Right. Three inches that's per right. minute. <laughs> That's right, exactly. Okay, there you go. Well, I have but, the record for that. We're talking with uh, Stover. He's one half of the hosts that do the best barbecue show. Uh, the title of that show, Merely Title Only, oh. of course. Uh, so how do you... Yeah, I, hope, I hope Yanni's listening. Yeah, Yanni is... Uh, let me see here. Yanni is the best, by the way. He's really like kind of NPR guy, kind of low-key. But I bet that dude gets loose when the cameras are off, right? He's a monster. Is he really? He literally turns into like like a werewolf. His claws come out. <laughs> you think he's all, all all just soft and kind, but no, he's a beast. Yeah. Well, you never. You, he those, hits, Greg, he hits me. Those Yannis, you got to be careful. <laughs> They'll hit you, and then all of a sudden they're playing a tune on the pan <laughs> flute, as I said. Yeah, me that's right. I, yeah. I dance around and yeah. eat the brisket. He I, plays the music. That's right. I don't like to talk about people when they're not on the phone to come back, so I will uh, digress here. Uh, Stover, how do people find the show if they want to subscribe? You can find us the same way you find the Barbecue Central show. Use that good old-fashioned internet. Uh, you can plug it into iTunes, of course, uh, and you can listen anywhere you want. Stover, I appreciate you calling in tonight. Thanks, Greg. You got it. Stover. A lot of people are like, uh, who's Stover? Uh-oh. I know. I I like to listen to other barbecue podcasts. Not only am I able to kind of uh, see where I stack up because I hold a very high standard for myself. So while some people hate to listen to themselves, I do too, I guess. But I will listen back to the show tomorrow just to hear my English my diction, my vernacular to make sure that my command of the English language continues to grow by leaps and bounds and that I do not make that mistake of trying to fill dead space with ums and ahs. That's why from time to time you might hear me pause and it might be a second or two, but I would rather do that and find the correct word. It's something that I try and teach my kids. Now, kids rarely talk these days because they're very adept at thumbing out whatever the latest thought is in their head out to the Internet where it stays forever. That's a whole nother issue. Stover, you're not even married yet, so you have the whole other kid hurdle to worry about. But here's the one thing that I want to impress upon everybody that is just going to have kids or maybe your kids are infants. And they're not in the technology game. Just remember, I mean, technology is not going anywhere, right? We're going to be bound by technology going forward. It's only going to proliferate more and more. If you watch these, I'm going to sound like I'm 75 years old. If you watch these kids these days, you know, as a matter of fact, uh, I'm thinking about it now that I'm thinking about it. If, If you watch these kids anymore... What are they doing running around with their faces in their phone and they can't talk a lick? Who are you talking to? I'm talking to Greg about the youth of America and how they get... Who? I said, Greg, that's who I'm talking to. Look at here. They walk around with their noses in their phone. 
Your father and I were walking in the mall the other day. That's how we get our exercise. It's too hot outside. I can't, I can't walk outside. I don't want to sweat. After I eat my peanut butter toast and my yogurt, I don't want to go outside in, in 90 degree weather. It's too hot for me. I can't do it. That's right. So we go to the mall where it's air conditioned and walk around. And when the mall opens, here come these kids where their faces are in their phones and they almost run right into me as I'm making laps. And they're documenting everything. Isn't that right? That's right. Everything they're doing is going up to the worldwide internets. Snapchat, the YouTubes, Google Plus. I think that's got real legs, that Google Plus. It's going to be a big thing. I don't think it's going to be a big thing. This Facebook is what's going on. Never mind that Facebook. I don't like the Facebooks. Anyway, here's what I'm telling you. Tell those kids, stop taking videos of themselves. They're only going to get in trouble because it doesn't go away. Tell your kids to stop doing it. That's right. She's right. So put that in your pipe and smoke it. All right. Well, now we have the whole idea of what not to do with you. Stover, I hope that helps you. That's my parents calling in. Trying to give you an idea when you do have kids. Well, I guess you got to get married. Well, as a matter of fact, you don't have to get married first to have kids. That's what we've learned these days. You don't have to do that. Stop documenting. Tell these kids, don't document. Leave yourself plausible deniability. With the amount of documentation that goes on these days with all the youth uploading it here and uploading it there, You can't ever deny anything because it's all right there. You know what I'm saying? I didn't do that. Well, according to this screenshot I just took, you can't text anybody. My middle daughter just got involved in a a hubbity bub bub a couple days ago because she was trading text messages and the kids said, I'm just going to screenshot. You got no plausible deniability anymore. It's okay to not share everything, especially if it might be shady. Don't share that. You can talk on the phone and always say you never said it. How about that? In other news, a Waffle House customer is arrested for lashing out about barbecue sauce. This coming from Flipboard.com, a Waffle House patron will have his day in court after exploding in anger over the restaurant's lack of barbecue sauce. Willie Edwards Drake, 43, was arrested last week at a Waffle House in Macon, Georgia, after screaming obscenities and insulting the employees who told him they could not provide him with barbecue sauce per a Bibb County police report obtained by the smoking gun. The workers weren't exactly withholding the barbecue sauce either. The particular location just doesn't stock any. The fact evidently didn't deter Drake, who proceeded to accuse the employees of intentionally keeping the condiment from him. I wouldn't effing ask you if I didn't know you had it, he yelled, and that he'd go to effing jail over some barbecue sauce. Now that is a true fan. I will go to effing jail over some barbecue sauce, just so you know. Officers arrived on the scene to find Drake being uncooperative and disorderly. 
per the Bibb County Police Report, and arrested him for disorderly conduct. He was transported to county jail where he spent several days before released on $390 bond. That's a weird amount. An officer who spoke with the Telegraph further confirmed that the jail stocks only ketchup, mayonnaise, and mustard. We stay with the basics on condiment. So no barbecue sauce for him in the Hooskow either. Sorry for your luck, Drake. I'm not talking about the rapper. Aaron Franklin coming up out of the break. Let me talk to you uh, about, well, I, actually, I'm not going to talk to you about anything right now. I'm good. That uh, pit barrel read that I just did, I hate to say it, that's the last pit barrel read for a while. So if you're uh, interested in jumping aboard with the show, shoot me an email. Greg at thebbqcentralshow.com and I can tell you how inexpensive it is to partner with a show that is target marketed to the barbecue and grilling community. How many times do I have openings? Rarely. Because people realize that you got to get outside the box. You have to. You have to get in front of the market that has the dollars and discretionary income So if you offer a product or a service to the barbecue and grilling community, you don't want to spend five and six and seven and $10,000 a month on advertising that you have no way to track. I have statistics. I can tell you what we do every month. I can't guarantee sales, of course, but promotion for sure. Right here on this show with reads or bumpers, website stuff, social media pumps, posts, pumps, pump ups. You name it. All right, uh, we will come back with Aaron Franklin from Franklin Barbecue. Currently the number two ranked barbecue destination according to Texas Monthly Barbecue. That's tmbbq.com. By the way, Daniel Vaughn, Texas Monthly Barbecue editor, will be on in two weeks' time. How about that? Great. It's about time we catch up with the Ohio, uh, the Ohio original. An original Ohioan, Daniel Vaughn. So uh, that will be February 20th. I think that's more than... No, that's two weeks. Man, that's right. 2018 rapidly coming to a close, as I said before. Wow. All right, stick around for Aaron Franklin. You're listening and watching the Barbecue Central show right here on the Barbecue Central Network. Stick around. from a doctor of barbecue, a man actually named Meathead, the author of a barbecue Bible, bloggers, reviewers, competitors, and manufacturers by the dozens. It's the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rempe. All right, welcome back. This portion of the show being brought to you by Smithfield. Championship pitmasters are winning with Smithfield. So can you commit to cook with Smithfield this 2018 barbecue season? 
receive smoke and swag just participating there's only a few requirements pay a small $25 shipping fee and you must be a member of a sports major sanctioning body be sure to come back track your first place finishes in pork and ribs to win great prizes through the walking with smithfield incentive program hashtag show us your smithfield on the facebook's and on the Instagram so we can see what you are cooking. Thanks to good folks at Smithfield as always. All right, my guest in the second hour, you know, I could easily go on and on about introductions. Maybe there's somebody on the show that you aren't familiar with or that you aren't familiar with in a competitory sense or whatever. But when we talk about barbecue, this name I think has risen to, I'm going to make up a word, synonymity of barbecue. That, of course, is the proprietor of Franklin Barbecue, Aaron Franklin, joining me here on the show. Is that a good word to make up, Aaron, do you think? Yeah, I think it's a great word. I've totally never heard that before. I'm looking it up on thesaurus.com right now. I believe you will not find it. <laughs> uh, one of my fans says in, inevitably in each show there's like two or three rampyisms that I really want to use a big word. I'm using kind of the right word, and then I throw some stuff in at the end that really just perverts it in a very bad way. And that's, you know, I think it's great. Yeah, I, uh, I've, I've been doing that for years. I've been using <laughs> rempyisms forever. <laughs> a big fan. Thank you. Uh, so I'm not sure if you recall, Aaron, but it was almost four years ago since the last time you were on. It was actually April Fool's Day of 2014. One of the most downloaded shows, by the way, if you're keeping track. And, and you're not, yeah, you're not kidding. No, I'm not. Um, <laughs> Franklin Barbecue had been voted number one by Barbecue Texas Monthly. A new list revealed last year that you guys had dropped all the way down to <clears throat> number two. Probably life-altering, <laughs> I'm sure. How are you and the rest of the gang able to gird the loins after you found out that terrible news? You know, it's uh, it's actually a little bit uh, better being number two than it is being number one. Um, you know, it, it's kind of nice not having a target on your back all the time. <laughs> so we're we're pretty excited about it. You know, Aaron, let's track back. You know, even four years ago, Franklin Barbecue was known as it is today for incredibly great barbecue. But there was this line that one typically had to wait in. And if you fast forward now to 2018, and perhaps incredibly, there is still a line one needs to get through before they are rewarded by the barbecue culinary uh, treats. Would you say that given the history you would expect there to be some assemblance of a line as long as you keep the store open at this point, or is there just no telling when it might dry up? There's really no telling. I mean, we tried to do like a double dare thing out there. We've tried to shoo people away. We've tried to close on Mondays, but man, they keep showing up. Um, it turns out they really like the food. So I, I hopefully for the unforeseeable future, people keep showing up. Is it a thing that you think you would get some kind of a heads up on prior to there not being a line? In other words, as you look at business and at how it relates to the store, are you planning each day in accordance with what you saw the day before and the day before? Or I guess, or in other words, well, is past performance indicative of future behavior? Not really. I mean, we really just cook as much food as we can and as much as we're comfortable cooking, which is you know, under normal circumstances without, you know, had a fire in the smokehouse and all that kind of stuff. It's about 120 briskets a day. So that's typically what we go through. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think if we were to ever suspect that people might start or might stop showing up, 
Um, that's probably because we would notice maybe the food's not that good. Maybe we're not paying attention to it. Maybe we're just don't love it anymore. You know, I mean, I, I if, you know, I think uh, looking at ourselves would be a, a much better indicator of uh, if people are going to keep showing up or not. Aaron, you said a couple minutes ago that being number two is better than being number one from a target standpoint. And I think I asked you four years ago, and, and I'm wondering if it's any different four years later. Is there any internal pressure that you guys put on yourselves or that you're thinking about, or you and Stacy as the owners of the restaurant, that here's this great built-in line and customer base and great word of mouth and all that stuff. Do you ever do you ever worry about it going away at all, secretly? Uh, well, no, not really. I mean, the, the, the whole reason why people show up is because we try super-duper hard. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, we make the best food we we possibly can, and we make it consistently the best food we possibly can every day. Um, and I think as long as that part doesn't slip, we we should be in the clear. Aaron Franklin joining me here on the show. Aaron, let's take a trip back, if we could, to August twenty sixth of last year, the day of the fire. You feel oh, the call? That familiar. Hey, yeah, you know, yeah. let's let's go back to the fun times, right? Um, you feel the call yeah, right. from your general manager around five thirty in the morning. As you get on scene, can you tell us how much better or worse it was when you saw it for the first time versus, I mean, I have to imagine as you're driving there, you could only be building up certain scenarios in your head. So once you get on scene, how does it compare or contrast to what you were building up in your mind? Well, I'll, I'll start by saying, you know, I think, uh, you know, in my head, I'd been kind of expecting, you know, like one day something bad's going to happen. You never know, hopefully not, but you always kind of mentally prepare yourself for these kinds of things. I mean, it, you know, I, I've, I've said it a bunch, but, you know, if you ran a business that had seven, 688-degree fires and a 1,000 square foot of uh, wood-framed pleasure, I think uh, you'd be kidding yourself if you thought you're probably never going to have a fire. You know, it's kind of, you know, it's, it's always a possibility. You never know. Um, so really when I got the call, I mean, it was – certainly mentally prepared for it, didn't freak out or anything, just put my shoes on, took a minute to collect myself, and was like, all right, got in the truck, hit, the, you know, started driving to the restaurant, uh, but it was a lot bigger and worse than I thought it would be. Um, I kind of suspected, like, oh, you know, we won't have ribs today, uh, you know, the guy that was cooking put it out with a fire extinguisher, it's just kind of smoky, no big deal, we can clean up, maybe we'll open a little bit late, we should be fine, uh, but when I pulled up you know, we're about a block off of I-35 here in Austin, so when I pulled up to 12th Street, which is a block over uh, from 11th Street where we're actually located, I could see the light kind of shining over the building, and it was kind of, it was you know, it was the morning that Harvey, the hurricane was blowing through town, so uh, I could see through the rain and stuff like that, the light was kind of reflecting off the rain and stuff, and, uh, and you know, that was kind of my, uh, my moment, it was like, ooh, that's, that's a whole lot worse than I thought it was going to be. Um, but really, you know, I mean, all in all, super no big deal. I think uh, the fact that we weren't prepared to to face such a thing has really been pretty helpful. I mean, you know, we've got great insurance. We'd saved up plenty of money and uh, had a good game plan right off the bat to get working on it. So nobody got hurt. No, no harm, no foul. Aaron, when you talk about being in a position of, as you said, 700-degree fires in a wood frame, kind of small, confined area, and I read somewhere in an article, people were asking about safeguards, if you will, and sprinkler systems. And you had astutely said, well, I mean, they're going to go off like two, three times a week. I mean, just kind of figure it out for yourself. 
Are there any safeguards that you can put in place when you're dealing in this kind of a business model? Or is it just, as you said, wait for the inevitable? Well, I mean, you could you could construct it out of uh, non-combustible <laughs> materials for sure, like steel. That would be handy. For sure. Um, but, you know, I mean, we have like fire breaks on the walls. We have fire, you know, one-hour firewalls on uh, two sides of the smokehouse. We've got steel, you know, that kind of like curves up from the wall, that curves up you know, from the floor to the wall and stuff like that. So, yeah, they're definitely safeguards. Um, the one thing that I didn't calculate for the smokehouse was uh, was the wind. Uh, it doesn't really get very windy here in Austin, so when we were faced with a hurricane, um, I hadn't really built any kind of, like, storm shutters or any way to, like, close off the smokehouse to, to the wind. So that was really what the problem was. Aaron Franklin joining me here on the show. Aaron when you are down, you're kind of in that rebuild phase. What were you doing in the meantime? Were you, I'd read that you were looking about bringing trailers in to, to vend off, you know, a certain amount of stuff during the course of the day while you guys were in the rebuild yep. phase. Is that what you ended up doing? Uh, that is what we did. I mean, during yep. the closure, we ended up remodeling the front. I rewired the place. I was the general contractor for uh, the repairs and stuff. So, yeah, I, I certainly stayed real busy. But also running the welding shop, we uh, ended up building uh, three cookers on trailers to get us open a little bit quicker. Really, the push was to get reopened before Thanksgiving, uh, just for all the families that come up every year and stuff like that. So that was kind of a big push for me. And uh, we're still cooking on the trailers, actually. Aaron, to me, you seem like a pretty progressive guy. Um, I don't want to say... Well, maybe freewheeling to a certain degree. Was there ever a conversation? Yeah, there you go. Um, was there ever a conversation between you and Stacy saying, "Hey, you know, we've had this fire. We've seen a great amount of success over the course of you know what really started out as just being a trailer barbecue operation, growing into what it is. Let's take this time and and reconsider. Do we want to do something else completely? Do we want to get away from barbecue and open up a?" ramen noodle shop or start woodworking or, or whatever, did you ever consider dropping it at that point? No, no, not, not an option at all. Um, you know, too many people love, love eating there. Too many people work there that rely on that. We have such an extended family and, uh, you know, we're not just like restaurant people that get picked like a barbecue place. Like, Oh, this people seem to like this stuff. Let's, let's open up a barbecue joint. We open up a barbecue joint because I generally love cooking barbecue. And uh, so, really, I, I don't know what else I would do at this point. And, uh, you know, I love hanging out with everybody that works there. I love hanging out with all the customers and stuff. So, yeah, it would be it would not be cool to not reopen. So it, it was kind of a no-brainer. So not reopening, not an option, but also not an option from what I'm reading are other Franklin barbecue locations. Why is the one that's correct? Why is the one the one and not adding a second or a third around the the general vicinity? Well, the easy one is that there aren't enough cows to cook. <laughs> we can always make more we cows, have... Aaron. Come on. I don't know. It's it's <laughs> a lot more difficult than it sounds. Um, you know what we use? We're we're pretty maxed out on what I can source uh, brisket wise, and uh, we could never replicate that place. I mean, we could move across the street and it would totally taste different. Uh, I'm pretty convinced, but, you know, it takes people about three years before they really start getting good at cooking back there. And uh, we already cook 24 hours a day. I mean, we can't, we just can't do anymore. And we don't really want to. It would, if we ever opened up another Franklin barbecue, it would totally ruin what we've worked so hard on for the one. 
from a business perspective, Aaron, I'm sure you can appreciate it. It seems like if you are as successful as you are, you would want to put another one or two around just to, I hate to say, take advantage of what you've built out there. But there's certainly a lot of other barbecue places that have seen success in a flagship location, such as the one that you have, and then decided to open up another one or two. Have you ever been approached about franchising or, or anything else like that? Yeah, well, not not so much anymore in the early days. I bet for the, about the first three or four years, we were approached at least a few times a week about <laughs> franchising or getting into airports or doing whatever. And you know, we didn't we didn't build Franklin Barbecue to go down like that. That's not that's not what we're about. So we're we're keeping it small. We're keeping it mom and pa, and uh, yeah, that's just that's what we do. Do you see a point? Aaron, and uh, obviously it's not in the short term, but do you ever see a point of getting out of the restaurant business? Uh, no, not really. I mean, I'm, I'm sure one day, I mean, this, this business is exhausting, uh, especially barbecue, <laughs> yeah. especially people showing up to work at midnight, work until noon the next day, and, you know, it never stops. It just We cook six and a half days a week, um, 24 hours a day. So, yeah, I'm sure eventually we'll get tired. I don't know what the uh, what the game plan is for getting out of it, but maybe we'll keep it going on forever. Maybe we'll, you know, sell it to somebody that's worked there for a long time. Maybe we'll, I don't know. Who knows? We how, uh, we haven't crossed that bridge yet. How many people are gamefully employed at Franklin Barbecue right now? We've got thirty-one people. Thirty-one. Yep. Wow. And how many are? in the back or ones that you would uh, is trust the right word, but ones that you rely on as far as the cooking is concerned. Well, there are six cooks. Uh, there are about four prep guys and, uh, you know, two dishwashers and pretty much everybody else is front of the house just to take care of that line out there and, uh, you know, cut meat during lunch and do all that kind of stuff. But yeah, I think I'd say there are about six or seven, uh, actual cooks. Can you give me a snapshot of the day of the life of Aaron Franklin? Oh boy, it uh, it changes quite a bit. I mean, I whereas I used to go in and cook and cut every lunch and stuff like that. Now I'm kind of more the maintenance guy. Um, right now I'm pretty busy rebuilding the smokehouse because uh, we're still probably about four weeks out from having that thing finished. Trying real hard to get it ready for South by Southwest, which is about the second week of, week of March here in Austin. Um, so I'm pretty busy on that stuff, doing a lot of electrical, pretty busy with a welding shop, doing stuff. I, uh, I'm at the restaurant every day during lunch, uh, checking emails and doing stuff and busting tables and doing that kind of stuff. So really, my a day in the life, it, it changes daily. I just kind of go where I'm needed and where I'm best utilized. From a customer's standpoint, I would imagine that the expectation is that if they show up that being the customer for lunch at Franklin Barbecue, they're going to be able to catch a gander of that guy they hear so much about and who they're paying money to eat barbecue. Do you feel like you need to be out there to make sure that uh, they're getting that whole experience? Not only are they getting the great barbecue, but they're also able to, to see you in some form or fashion. Yeah, I think, you know, that's a really good question. Um, I don't think anyone's ever asked that before. Really? Um, I, I do feel obligated to be there during lunches. I mean, Sunday is really about the only day that I really try hard to not be there. Uh, just so I could spend time with the family. We have a four-year-old, which last time um, I was on your show, we were just about to have that four-year-old. Yeah, so, congratulations. Yeah, a lot of stuff's changed in the last four years. Thanks. You know, we're keeping her alive, so she's she's doing pretty good. Um, but, yeah, so, 
you know, I, yeah. I mean, I, I try to be there every day during lunch. Sometimes I'll cut out a little early, go run some errands. I usually get there pretty early in the morning and I check in with everybody, but I'm also there, you know, watching the guys that are cutting the lunch, hanging out with the cooks in the back. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty darn hands-on every day. If somebody's hiring in as a new employee, do they always start at one spot or the other? And do all of them have aspirations of working their way into the pit room, or does that take a certain breed of human? Um, all, all of those things are correct. <laughs> Sometimes It really depends on the person. I mean, we typically hire more for someone that's going to become part of the family and really fit in and really care about the people that they work with. Um, that's kind of the number one criteria. Um, but, of course, you know, having common sense, maybe a little bit of experience at fire is fine. Maybe, you know, if somebody came in that had worked at a bunch of barbecue places, it's likely that I wouldn't hire them. Um, just because I don't want to take on somebody else's bad habits, um, so it really it really just depends on the person. It, it depends on if they're if they seem like they've got really good work ethic, if they're honest, um, and that kind of stuff. So yeah, and you know whatever position they might start in, it might be something that they might be scooping potato salad up front. They might start off uh, trimming raw meat, you know, and then maybe we'll gradually teach them how to work fires and stuff like that. So yeah, it really it's just a case by case scenario. How important is it from a job hiring perspective for that person to maybe not say they have aspirations of opening up their own barbecue place if they're interviewing with you? Um, you know, really what it comes down to, I think, in that aspect is um, if somebody is good enough to work at our place, they're probably wanting to open up their own place. You know, I'm not necessarily looking for somebody that wants to work you know, like work at a cash register for the next 10 years. I want someone with aspirations to do something. I want somebody with kind of some get up and go, you know. Aaron Franklin joining me here on the show. Aaron, can I hold you over one more segment and we'll talk about some pit building sure. and some other barbecue whatnot? Ooh. All right, stand by. We're talking with Aaron Franklin from Franklin Barbecue. Maybe you've heard about it, Austin, Texas there. So if you're going to be heading out that direction, check them out, of course. Let me talk to you quickly about Cook Shack. That's right. The makers of smoker ovens for every type of barbecue lover. Whether you barbecue in the backyard, on the competition circuit, in a five-star dining facility, Cook Shack has a unit that will do the job. And with a full line of barbecue sauces, spices, pellets, and wood chunks, it's the perfect one-stop shop. Cook Shack strives to be your barbecue resource center by offering cooking classes, online recipes, how-to videos, two blogs, smoke and grilling 101s, and a video cooking classroom. Check out their website at cookshack.com or follow them on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Pinterest, and Google+. Get advice or share your passion for barbecue on their world-class barbecue forum. Cook Shack pellet-fired smokers are the choice of champions because they were designed by a champ at Fest Eddie Morin. The FEC 100, PG 1000, always customer favorites. The PG 1000 can actually double as a smoker and grill. Low and slow, hot and fast, the pellet grill line gives you the most for your money. But if you say, hey, Rempe, I don't like the pellet poopers. How about electronics? Okay, how about it? Cook Shack residential electric smokers are the number one smoker in the industry. High quality means high durability and versatility. Anything you can cook in your oven, you can make in a Cook Shack. Passion and dedication drives Cook Shack's manufacturing with quality always being at the forefront. Get the best in barbecue since 1962. Call 800-423-0698 or visit the website cookshack.com. All right, we are back with more Aaron Franklin. Stick around. Be right back.
continuing to produce incredibly mediocre content in an exceptionally professional way. You're listening and watching the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Craig Rampey. All right, welcome back. This portion of the show being brought to you by Fireboard. Monitor up to six different temperatures simultaneously. Connect to Wi-Fi or cloud-based monitoring or connect via Bluetooth if you have Alexa or Google Assistant. You're in luck. It's fully integrated with both. Find out more today by visiting fireboard.com or call 816-945-2232. That's 816-945-2232, fireboard.com. All right, we are rejoined by Aaron Franklin. Appreciate you hanging with me through the break there, Aaron. So Heck yeah. let's talk a little bit about pit building. I've signed up for the newsletter so I can stay abreast of all this stuff. Um, if it's not making great barbecue, what do we need? Well, we need a cooker to make great barbecue. So what kind of a niche or why did you want to jump into the pit building business, especially given the fact that you are in Texas, which, by the way, happens to house some of the most prolific pit builders ever made in history? True, true, true. Um, yeah, I mean, we've been running a welding shop for about three or four years now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it all kind of started me building our backyard cooker, or me building the barbecue pits for the restaurant in my backyard. One thing led to another got one friend that started helping out. His brother started helping out, hired another guy. And uh, maybe about a year and a half ago, we actually finished building all the large barbecue cookers for our restaurant. Like, we're, we're done. We can't fit anymore. And that kind of got me going on, you know, they've all become part of the family. So we uh, need something to keep everybody busy. And it's really fun doing all this welding stuff. So, yeah, I kind of wor- started working on a backyard cooker. Um, and really the reason why I wanted to do a backyard size pit was, um, you know, people all ask all the time, it's like, wow, well, can, can we get one for a restaurant or this and that? Like, I don't really want to build barbecue pits for people to make money on. I want to build barbecue pits for people to, to learn on and have fun in their, with their friends and family. And, you know, it's more of a learning tool. It's more of a kind of a culture that I'm interested in. I'm not really looking to, you know, make a lot of money on these things necessarily. It's more just kind of for, for the greater good, I guess. Um, you know, and at the same time, we get to build neat cookers that we're proud of and that have great craftsmanship. And, you know, we get to cook on them and stuff and meet neat people. So it's just kind of a good extension to Franklin Barbecue also. Um, but, yeah, I mean, and we've, I've been working on it for probably about two years now. So hopefully this coming Christmas we'll start taking orders. How long does it take to build one of the Franklin Barbecue cookers that are in the restaurant? Um, it takes about 100 labor hours. Wow. And that's not a real high level of finish. That's just kind of get them together and, and starting to cook on them. So from the consumer aspect, what could one expect as far as options or looks or length and heft and all that good stuff? Well, I, I, it turns out I have those details, um, <laughs> except, eh, you know, we actually haven't finished the prototypes yet. So <laughs> Mostly you haven't. <laughs> they're going to they're gonna stay pretty similar. Um, you know, really, they're uh, they're offset cookers, much like the ones at our restaurant, and um, they are really designed with a pretty massive amount of airflow, which is kind of the ones at the restaurant, the ones that I like to cook on. You know, rely a lot more on convection and radiant heat. Hence, like, you know, they're not reverse flow or anything like that. Just like a ton, a ton of air going through, and uh, you can really guide what you want that fire to do while it's in the cooker. 
Um, the ones for the backyard that we're going to start selling, uh, they'll fit three briskets. They're about six feet long, overall length. That's a firebox, cook chamber, and smokestack. And a uh, 20-inch diameter, uh, fully insulated firebox. And uh, they're going to come kind of in a few different pieces. So they, they weigh about 500 pounds. They're super-duper heavy, all quarter-inch steel. And uh, they'll come where you bolt on the firebox to the cook chamber. The smokestack comes inside. You put that on. You kind of bolt the legs together and all that stuff. So, yeah, it's definitely more of a modular kind of thing. So it should be uh, shippable. Do you have a projected price point? Ah, uh, not yet. Um, the more we make, the cheaper they get, of course. And, uh, you know, we're laser cutting all the stuff on a CNC machine. It's all virgin steel. We're pressing the heads uh, for virgin steel and everything. So it's really, really nice materials. And uh, the craftsmanship is pretty good in there, too. The idea behind them is that we're not going to paint them. They're kind of to be treated like a cast iron skillet. So you can see the welds. So... We're really doing a uh, taking our time and making sure that the welding patterns are good and everything's just super clean lines, and um, yeah, yeah, uh, pretty great attention to detail on these things. So I would suspect maybe about three thousand thirty five hundred dollars, but we'll find out here. You know, once we make more of them. Aaron, what's the most common mistake people make when they're building fires in an offset pit, or how can one go about building and maintaining a fire properly? Um, I think a lot of people try to make a fire last a long time. Um, really the way that I look at fires is that you can't make a piece of firewood do what it doesn't naturally want to do. You know, if you have a large coal bed, you can put down a piece of wood and sure it's going to smolder for a minute before it combusts. But once it it's actually on fire, you need to be able to guide that fire to do what you want it to do. You can't, you know, like choke off a door, um, choke off the air supply and be like, Oh, it stays hot for Four hours, it's like, well, you know, the flavors coming out of that terrible fire probably aren't going to be very good. Mm. So I think it's just kind of taking that into consideration. Always give a fire what it needs um, and try to – I try to use wood selection more for flavors or styles of fire than anything. You know, like something that's maybe a little drier than you want it to be. Maybe it's a little greener. Maybe you pick out the right piece of wood. Um, and to properly size firewood, too, depending on the size of your cooker. Would you recommend that, uh, for instance, I have a, a 36-inch Lang. I'm now, this is a different flow than you're used to because you have more of that traditional mm -hmm. flow Langs, obviously the uh, reverse flow. But would you be opposed or unopposed to, like, uh, leaving the firebox door half open versus running the dampers or those pinwheels in order to control uh, airflow? I, I typically don't like the use of dampers. Um, it depends on the airflow. The kind of the... A rule of thumb for, for fires for me is that you can't really push air on a fire. You have to pull it, and that's where the smokestack comes in kind of handy. It's like, what you know, what kind of vacuum is, does this barbecue pit have? Um, and then, you know, from that point, it's up to you to decide what that fire's doing while it's in the cooker. You know, if it pulls hard. So for me, I usually just close off all the dampers and try to only have the one variable, especially like a laying. I mean, there's like... Gosh, I don't. Who knows? How many dampers does, does yours have? It has, like four or five. It has, like that? No, no, it has two on either side. Okay, so you know, I would shut those down and just use that one door. That way, I'm not messing with like variables, and I don't have a smokestack that's choked off. Um, try to leave that as wide open as possible. So yeah, it depends. But I mean, really, I mean, you can cook on anything, and uh, if you can get it hot, you can cook on it. And just kind of the more you do it, the better you get at it. But it's also nice to think about that stuff. You're know, like, oh, well, maybe this piece of wood or 
maybe if I turn it out of the wind a little bit and, you know, it's fun to experiment. Where can people go to keep in touch with that barbecue pit stuff that you're doing? Uh, good question. Uh, I believe, well, you can go to franklinbarbecue.com. There's a link on there if you scroll all the way down. And I think the actual website is franklinbbqcookers.com. Uh, maybe wrong on that. I don't spend a lot of time looking at my own website. <laughs> we have people for that, right? <laughs> you were at Camp Brisket a couple weeks ago. Uh, I believe, is that Texas A&M that hosts that? Yes, yes, correct. What were you doing or what were you teaching? And I had a friend of mine, a regular contributor to the show, maybe you've heard of him, Barbecue Hall of Famer Stephen Reichland, who was in attendance. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. My buddy Stephen Reichland. That's right. Love him. Um, what were you doing there and how long have you been a part of these camp briskets? Oh, I bet you I've been doing it probably four or five years now. Oh. Um, Texas A&M puts that on through Texas Foodways. And it's a big fundraiser for Texas Foodways, which does a lot of, you know, oral histories of regional foods and pitmasters and stuff like that. Um, but, yeah, I really – those guys are, are good friends, and I certainly love what they do. And, you know, it's just kind of the barbecue community. I, uh, I like to go out there and help where I can. When you're trimming a brisket, because I, I think you were there doing brisket trimming, correct, if I'm – is that right? Uh, yeah, uh, probably, yeah, brisket trimming, uh, raw trimming, uh, how to slice a cooked brisket, uh, lots of talk on fires and airflow and stuff like that, and whatever else they ask me to do, I don't know. I'm kind of just winging it all the time anyway. Like, hey, this guy didn't show up. Can you talk about that? Sure, whatever. <laughs> Fine. I, I see a lot of talk about, and a lot of videos now, because there seems to be a proliferation of videos coming up now. It's just not message boards and people trading ideas over text, but seeing it live and in person or recorded in person. Brisket trimming seems to be like all the rage. You got to do it this way. You got to do it that way. So as somebody who is widely considered to be one of the, if not the best brisket cook currently in the, in the Americas, what is your method of, or what do you think are most important to do while you're trimming the brisket? Um, I think the, the most important thing to think about while you're trimming a brisket is what you want the finished product to be like. I mean, you don't ever, you don't build a house by only thinking about the foundation. You think about how the overall project is going to be, and then you kind of break it down into sections. So if you think about how you want your brisket to turn out or your ribs, your pork butts or whatever, uh, think about what it's going to cook on, what the seasoning is going to be, how much fat is going to be too much fat, how, if, you know, if you trim too little or too much fat off, how little is too little, uh, what the heat's going to be, what the airflow is going to be, all that stuff. And then once you kind of dissect how you perceive that cook to go, um, that's kind of how I would land on how to trim something. You know, if um, it's cold outside, I've got a thick brisket, whatever's going on, I might trim the fat just a little bit differently, uh, depending on where the fire is or if it's on a big green egg or if it's on an offset cooker or whatever. But, um, yeah, I think just, just think about it. That's, that's the real key. Think about the details. The details really do add up. Aaron, the last time you were on the show, I talked to you about the terms barbecue and grilling. Tonight, I want to ask you about the term pitmaster. Is that a word that <laughs> is, uh, like to me, I'm like, we should just get rid of that word altogether because it just invites all sorts of different dynamics and definitions and ideas and thoughts, which is great for a talk show, right? I mean, it, 
gives you endless quantity of information and things to talk on. Yeah, you got something to talk about. Absolutely. Sure. So how do you look at that term pitmaster? Do you define it or, or what does it mean to you? Oh, I think I kind of agree with you. I think it's pretty silly. I mean, I, you know, there are, are a lot of different people out there and, and different uh, sets of skills and a lot of different levels of ego and a lot of different mm-hmm. stuff going on. There, there are tons of dynamics, as you say. Um, but really, I mean, I would never want to call myself a master. If you think you're a master, you probably have a lot to learn. You clearly haven't messed it up enough yet. <laughs> I think, yeah, I don't know. I just feel kind of funny about pitmaster. I don't let anyone in our restaurant say that, you know, like I would never call myself a pitmaster. I think you're just kind of setting yourself up for failure. Aaron, while we talk and we learn about you and we read your books and we watch your YouTube channel, and you can hear it right here on these, uh, you know, now two interviews that we've done. You seem to be the most genuine and authentic and a person who really cares about other people. And here you've got done building pits for your restaurant and you almost feel or coming across that you not only feel obligated, but you want to help now these people that you forge these pit building relationships with to give them work in order to kind of keep them going. They're part of your family, as you said. Yeah, well, that and I think it's a, you know, since there's not a lot of stuff on the market that I like to cook on, mm-hmm. as far as like a backyard size thing, I think, you know, it would be people ask all the time, like, oh, what should I buy? What should I buy? And it's not one cooker that doesn't have some type of thing that I don't necessarily like on it. So, yeah, also, we all kind of thought it would be a really cool idea just to build, you know, our perfect cooker. Do you feel comfortable if I said that you are kind of the face of barbecue and have been over the last half decade or so, at least? Well, that might freak me out just a little bit. <laughs> really? I mean, you, I mean, like as I was just saying, I mean, you seem so genuine and so nice and that you want to kind of go out of your way to help in, in, in any way possible uh, and then still be on top of the game. Uh, I, I have to believe that... If I say Aaron Franklin and you know anything about barbecue, everybody knows you, and yet you still seem to be the most one of the most down-to-earth guys. And there is a lot of ego in barbecue, as I'm sure you're well aware of these days, especially over the last handful of years. So I guess it's, to me, just kind of confessing that uh, it's nice to be around somebody that has not only seen the level of success that you have, but is still kind of a regular dude. Well, thanks. I, uh, I've... I certainly just go to work like everybody else does. My work is a little bit different maybe than some people, but, <laughs> you know, I mean, you can only be who you are. I'm not, not trying to do anything special here. Just kind of doing what makes us happy. He's Aaron Franklin. He's at franklinbarbecue.com on the website. Uh, obviously, the place is in Austin, so if you're down there, hit it up. He'd love to have you partake in the barbecue. And, Aaron, I uh, really appreciate the time. Thanks so much for doing it. Good. Hey, thanks for having me. Good talking to you. You got it. There he is, Aaron Franklin. That's right. Wow. I mean, can he be a cooler guy? Is that possible? I know. Here come the emails. Greg, could you have loved Aaron Franklin anymore? (laughs) I guess. I only took like the last minute and a half or so. That's all right. Again, franklinbarbecue.com, franklinbarbecue.com. Not a place you've never heard of before, right? Of course. All right, folks, let me talk to you quickly about Green Mountain Grills, makers of some of the best pellet cookers out there on the market today. 
three different sizes to choose from. They have the Jim Bowie, which is the big the big dog. You want to cook a lot of different food and a lot of food, maybe a lot of the same, no problem. Jim Bowie's the way to go. Then they have the Daniel Boone. That's the mid-size model. That really fits a lot of people in the general live fire cooking arena. Get a couple, two, three, maybe four pork butts if you don't pan them up. Now, the Jim Bowie and the Daniel Boone both can house the high heat pizza oven insert, which is something, if you get those two, I highly suggest. Forget a grill brush, get the Jim Bowie or the Daniel Boone and get the pizza oven insert as your first accessory. You're gonna thank me for it. You can do traditional high heat pizza in that 800, 900 degree, 1000 degree if you want to. My preference more in that 630 to 650 range, but that's just me. I did uh, a whole bunch a weekend or so ago, and it's absolutely so fun to have pizza parties. And this pizza insert does the job and does it well. Now, also at Green Mountain Grills, they have the ability to help you fire your cookers. They sell pellets. You can get them by the pallet load if you want, or you can just head on over to greenmountaingrill.com and pick some up for yourself. Also, they have a bunch of other accessories that complement the use and convenience of your Green Mountain Grill. So if you're on the market or in the market for a pellet cooker and you want something that can hold rock solid temperature, can give you a bunch of different kind of cooking capacity depending on what you need, they have those models. Of course, the Davy Crockett, which is like that tailgate model. I still think you can get up to two pork butts on that. So you're not sacrificing capacity for portability. And again, pellets all there, spices, all that good stuff. You can get it at GreenMountainGrills.com. That's GreenMountainGrills.com. Give them a follow on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram as well. Again, that's Green Mountain Grill. We are back to wrap the show right after this. Stick around. We'll be right back. Whole packers, full racks, legs and thighs, injecting butts. If you've never heard this before, you might think you found the best triple X show ever. Let's get back to the most homoerotic host out there today, Craig Rimpy. All right, welcome back. 216-220-0966, Greg at the BBQ Centralshow.com if you want to jump in this evening. Thanks again to Aaron Franklin for joining me for not one, but indeed two segments. Yes. Yes. And uh, it appears that my video is locked up, but thank goodness that didn't happen last segment or the segment before. Yikes. Uh, I'm not sure exactly uh, where we're at here, but that's all right. We only have a few minutes left, and uh, maybe everybody's still hearing me. But the video does seem to have locked up for whatever reason. But uh, get the very tail end of the show right on the podcast. For the people who are listening on podcasts, you have no idea that there's anything potentially bad or crazy going on anyway. Don't worry about it. Everything's fine. Franklin Barbecue is the place to check out if you're in Austin. Again, there is a little bit of a line there, so 
If you are concerned about that, that is something that you will want to make sure that you take into account as you uh, get through plotting out your whole Austin, Central Texas situation. That's fine. I thought it was unique that he's putting together. So it sounds like from a pit building scenario, it was like, did he say half inch pipe, maybe quarter inch pipe? And it sounds like there's going to be one size and it's going to come in pieces. And if you are me, then you're very in trouble having to put stuff together. But usually modular stuff I can figure out by and large on my own. So now I have to figure out if that's going to be something that I want to get. I mean, I already have a Lang. Do I want to get a Franklin barbecue pit? Are people going to get Franklin barbecue pits because the name Franklin is on there? Uh-oh. I'm sure it's going to be put together fabulously. So we'll have to see. That's the best thing, right? You want to see how they look first. But even people on the Facebook feed were all over like, hey, I'm going to get one. I can't wait to see it. And he generates a lot of buzz, got to be honest. John Dawson weighing in on the email. Good show is the subject line, and the email reads, Barbecue could use a lot more Aaron Franklin's. I don't necessarily disagree with that. I did mean to ask him about competition barbecue. I think he had entered a competition. I don't remember if it was a couple years ago, maybe even longer than that. And... You kind of see the divergence of what we had talked about with Ray Lampy in the first hour in regards to restaurant or Texas-style barbecue and competition-style barbecue and how they differ. And if you're good at one, it doesn't mean that you're going to be good at the other. I think uh, Aaron had entered a competition and finished, I don't know if it was the top quarter or middle of the pack or whatever, and you know, it just kind of goes to show that those two barbecue variations are very divergent from each other, especially on a flavor profile standpoint. So to think that if you're a very good barbecue cook from a restaurant is somehow going to translate onto the competition scene, I believe is a naive thought to say the least. But I appreciate him coming on and being uh, very candid with me. And it was also interesting to hear his take on people he hires. Like, uh, how easy is it to get hired at a Franklin barbecue? I wonder. But you want, he wants people with goals. He doesn't want the person, which I thought was kind of might have been this, a different thing. Like, if you have aspirations and you're hiring in new, he's got to look at you as somebody that's going to turn over at some point and he's got to retrain again, right? So. I don't know. If you missed it and you're just tuning in right now, you can go back and get the podcast. That's going to be up in about an hour from now. And, of course, you can hear it all through the audio live link on my website for one full week. Nothing but this show running in succession for the next seven days on the live stream. Subscribe to the podcast. Here's what we're going to do as far as winning a brisket. Who's stayed around? All you have to do is go to one, uh, go to the iTunes, search the show, and all you have to do is leave me a review. The first person to leave me a new review starting on February 6th, 
I will see them come in. I will be able to pick the first one, no problem. Go on iTunes, find the Barbecue Central show on the podcast, and then review it. And then in the review, put SRF so I can identify. Leave a review in that review anywhere. I don't care if you give me one or five stars or whatever. But in that review, SRF. So if you're racing to do it now, you're probably going to win. If nobody's listening to me now because you all dumped off after Aaron Franklin, shame on you. You should have stayed. It's going to be like $180 brisket or whatever it is. So hit up iTunes, leave a review for the Barbecue Central show. And within that review somewhere, if you want to hashtag it, that's fine. Hashtag SRF. And I will get in touch with you, I think, or I'll call you out next week. We'll figure out how to, how to get to it. All right? Easy to do. All right. Uh, big show planned for next week, September 11th, 2001. I will never forget. And until next Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, this is your program host and proud U.S. American, Greg Rempe. Good night now. <laughs>